Today is April the 22nd. Today we see Saul, David, and Jonathan as they interact. Reading through the Bible in a year today, I'd like you to read 1 Samuel 17 to 20. Here in chapter 17, we see David going up against Goliath. You know the story. What you might not realize, though, is what happened at the end of chapter 16. David actually begins to play harp in Saul's court. And yet in chapter 17, Saul doesn't recognize him. Well, what happened? Two things, first of all. David was a musician in Saul's court. Uh, Saul probably never even looked at him while he was there. But secondly, David, when he went to fight Goliath, Saul told him, here's my armor, put it on, try it out. Remember Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone else in Israel. When David put on Saul's armor, he didn't say, it's too big for me. What he said was, I'm not used to it. David was apparently almost as tall as Saul. He had grown quite a bit since those days in which he played harp in King Saul's court. Well, David defeats Goliath in chapter 18. We have the story of women in every village that they went through who would come out and sing. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now this made Saul angry. He was jealous now of David. But actually what's taking place here is simple Hebrew poetry. In Hebrew poetry, when you mention a number in the first line, you add one to that number in the second line. The prophet Amos says, for three sins of Tyre and for four, three to four. Here the woman saying David killed his thousands, uh, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his, when you add one to a thousand, you add one zero, his 10,000. You give the leader top billing. You mention Saul first, then his subject in the second line. I honestly believe that if the woman had, women had sung, David has killed his thousands and Saul his ten thousands. Saul would have said, well, they give David first mention. They're making him the king. Saul was predisposed to be jealous of David, and he decided he wanted to kill him. Now, in chapter 18, Jonathan protects him. David wins Saul's daughter in marriage. In chapter 19, Michal protects him. By chapter 20, Saul is so resolutely set on killing David that when Jonathan tries to protect him, Saul tries to kill Jonathan as well. Enjoy as you read this story and see the interaction among these three people. 1 Samuel 17-20, New Living Translation, 1 Samuel 17. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle in camp between Soko in Judah and Azekah in Ephestamim. 
Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time. He had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemaiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roast grain, these ten loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers. Then give these ten cups of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He'll give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? These men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? 
I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. May the Lord be with you. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he'd never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? Then he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, the guard of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you. I'll kill you and cut off your head. Then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Shariam as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistines' head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor 
in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head, still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe, giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousand and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. He began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. He hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men. David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter Merab as your wife. But first, you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Who am I and what's my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law, David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Merab in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Maholah. In the meantime, Saul's daughter Michal had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David, he said, Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you, and so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, Tell David all I want for the bride price is a hundred Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. 
but what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept his offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. So David fulfilled the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter, Michal, to David to be his life. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michal loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him and remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. 1 Samuel 19, Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant? How the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. As David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. Then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning, but Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you'll be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in a bed, covered it with blankets, and put a cushion of goat's hair at its head. When the troops came to arrest David, she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to get David, he ordered. Bring him to me in his bed so I can kill him. But when they came to carry David out, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape, Saul demanded of Michal. Oh, I had to, Michal replied. He threatened to kill me if I didn't help him. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel. He told him all that Saul had done to him, and Samuel took David to live at Naioth. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naioth in Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets, who were prophesying. The Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself 
went to Ramah and arrived at the great well in Seku. Where are Samuel and David, he demanded. They're in Nioth at Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Nioth and Ramah, the Spirit of God came even upon Saul. He too began to prophesy all the way to Nioth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people who were watching exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? 1 Samuel 20 David now fled from Nioth and Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done? he exclaimed. What's my crime? How I offended your father to be so determined to kill me. That's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, Your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. Tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. David replied, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I'll hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go home to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, fine, you'll know all is well. But if he's angry and loses his temper, you'll know he's determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I've sinned against your father. But please, don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed. You know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. David asked, How will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied, and they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I'll talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I'll let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. May you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. You'll be missed when your place at the table is empty. So the day after tomorrow toward evening, go to the place where you hid before. Wait there by the stone pile. I'll come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I'll send the boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him, they're on this side, then you'll know as surely as the Lord lives. All is well, there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then it will mean that you must leave immediately, for the Lord is sending you away.
May the Lord make us keep our promises to each other, for he has witnessed them. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall, with David sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, Something must have made David ceremonially unclean. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, Please let me go, for we're having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be here, so please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore, he swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day of the festival, for he is crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field, took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, he told the boy, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran. Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, The arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait. So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his mather. He, of course, suspected nothing. Only Jonathan and David understood the signal. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told them to take them back to town. As soon as the boy had gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for you've sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to town. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotion on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Enjoy tomorrow in the church of your choice. If you live in the Greenwood area and are looking for a church, check us out at becomehope.com. We'd love to see you here on a Sunday.